Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Hey folks, Blamo Extra has been many listeners' favorite part of the show for a while, and we've continued to ask ourselves, how do we make it better? More fun, more bells, more whistles. This show has thrived because of the incredible community of listeners and supporters. We're continuing to experiment here and also work on new types of shows for the community. This includes pod episodes about what's happening in the fashion industry, yes, more roundtables, but more importantly, chats with friends in the community. And along for the ride will be my co-host, Rob Lim. Rob is an OG of the super future and early message board days of the industry. He's an incredible writer and has always been the sage guide of our Slack community since we started. I could not pick a better co-host for these pods. This week, we're chatting with Derek Guy of Die Workwear about the world of Western wear and his recent article. Here we go. Okay, so this is very different than your standard pod. I don't know what this show is going to be called. I don't know exactly what we're doing as everything, uh, you know, that, (laughs) you know, I do, we do. It's a work in progress. But this is basically going to be kind of like a new hybrid of a show, which is going to be me and fearless leader of the Slack, Mr. Rob Lim, and then we'll always be joined by someone else. So today, uh, we basically kind of politely coerced Derek Guy to come and talk with us. Uh, and every episode's going to be a bit about what's happening in the Slack, a bit about what's happening in the industry, and then usually some sort of you know deeper dive into another subject. Um, stick along for the ride. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> As always, we're welcome to uh, you're welcome to send us your feedback in however way you want to send it to us. But um, yeah, Rob, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting yeah. me along. Yeah, this is good. Uh, Derek, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you also for inviting me along. Yeah, there's some stuff I want to talk about, though. And by the way, I apologize if my voice sounds like crap. I may or may not have COVID as we're recording this. I'm waiting for my PCR, which is stupid that it takes so long, by the way. I mean, what what, what a joke. Um, who knows? Wore the mask. I did all the right stuff. Whatever, dude. So you know, so fingers you're, crossed for you, man. Yeah. So you know, in the show notes, you're gonna have to actually say what the 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 test results were. Otherwise, people will just be like dying to know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Do you have COVID? You know what's gonna be a bummer is I feel bad saying this, and this is probably somewhat awful to say, but it's like I hope that I do in a sense because. I've never felt this crappy, and if it turns out that I don't have it, I'm just going to feel like even more of an idiot because I'll, you know, at least I can blame the COVID as to why I feel this bad versus, um, you know, just being someone who can't handle getting sick. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, um, I think we can just jump into it. I mean, Rob, you and I were talking at the very beginning about some of the stuff that's been happening in the Slack, and. One of the things was the discussion of uh, basically why are Japanese clothes so expensive? And I think we should get Greg on to discuss this further at some time. But 
Like, would you be cool to kind of summarize some of this stuff? Yeah, sure. And maybe I'll just step a, a little bit back because Please. some of the Patreon subscribers may not know about the Slack community, um, which is a thing. Um, yeah. And it's uh, it's really good. It's um, something that I kind of envision like sort of old school internet, like back when it was like fun to connect with people and just like geek out about the same thing, but also hear different perspectives. Um, so that's kind of the model. Um, it's very inclusive. Uh, I've learned a ton from it. And yeah, it's, I mean, there's like people on there that just really, really, really know their stuff. So one of the questions that came across was, um, why is it that, you know, if you go and look at like a retail price from a brand from Japan and you look at the cost and kind of run the calculation to American dollars, like what's the deal with how different it is from what you would pay from an American retailer? Um, and there are like factors like, uh, the tariffs um, and shipping costs, but it actually seems to really stem from, and this is uh, insight from Greg Lelouch from No Man Walks Alone, so friend of the pod. Um, yeah. It apparently breaks down to like the mentality of um, the Japanese retail customer versus American retail customer. And we in America, we love discounts. So the kind of prices ends up a little higher than it needs to be to kind of account for that that some amount of product will be um, bought at discount. So that's like really kind of an interesting insight into the different cultures and the way we think about buying things. And, you know, with all the discussion about, you know, Americans addictions to consumption and like, just that, that really struck a chord personally with me, but just in terms of getting it broken down and um, you know, I'd love to actually get his, his thoughts uh, on the pod. Um, yeah, it was really, uh, it was really eye opening. So it's, it's a really good, good source for information, um, uh, and always something to learn out there. And there's just great people. I love hanging out there. Well, what, let's, let's jump back because like who among us has bought stuff from Japan via proxy? Like Derek, have you? Well, certainly I think everyone interested, I mean, m many people, most maybe that are this obsessed with clothes have at this point. I assume. Yeah. Well, you know, because I think it's true a lot of, I think maybe the best example is when Capital started to kind of make its way over to, um, what was it like, Union, I feel like was one of the first shops that started carrying Capital. Um, Capital, like the, the cult Japanese brand that everyone seems to love that's basically just like a gregarious circus of clothing. But like with the pricing in Japan, I mean, it's, people are like oh like you know this is i'm just getting taken to town like i'm getting and i think a lot of people also don't understand because if you go to japan uh you know a lot of times you can shop at a showroom and place your own wholesale order um and this is i remember like the soloist like takahiro Miyashita, you could go do a, an order and it was just you know it was usually like a 30 percent um you know cost you go in and place your order but yeah i mean exactly like if you wanted to bring this stuff over like just especially the the stores that were carrying it so you look at bergdorf you look at a lot of these other places they just needed more meat on the bone for lack of their, uh, better terms for shopping and it's just it is really interesting to see that because i feel like a lot of the consumers will see it and then they'll just blame the retailers and they're like oh they're just trying to take advantage of me like how dare they um and what people don't understand is it's basically just how most Japanese brands have operated 
<laughs> since like the beginning uh, of all sort of you know classic retail. My understanding is that Japanese markups are typically one point five, and American markups are usually two point five. And even back in the nineties, when I first started paying attention to clothing, I'd never heard of markups. Well, maybe not never, but I at least a double markup was very standard common. I don't think I don't think I ever heard of a company doing only a one point five markup. So I think Japan might just be unusual in that it has unusually low markups, and companies are able to to sustain that. Um, clearly, many U.S. retailers can't even sustain themselves even with the two point five markup. So I don't think it's just um, being greedy. I mean. Brick and mortars are closing all over the place. Um, it seems that you just need a higher markup in order to do business in the U.S. for whatever reason. Yeah, and I think also a lot of Japanese brands, um, and this is from you know firsthand knowledge, they aren't trying to manufacture a massive season. Like they they don't mind if <laughs> if it's just not available. Like a, a lot of these companies, if when you have a smaller amount that you're making you don't you know it you don't need the the massive sort of margins and markups that you have and a lot of them are run really 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 lean i know at least some of the brands um that i'm aware of they kind of they do deliveries different so they don't have like net terms you have to kind of pay up front so that may yeah. um right. limit people retailers taking on kind of more than they can actually like handle so i'm wondering yeah i'm wondering if that has something to do with it i mean it's it is it is very interesting, and I feel kind of bad saying this, or maybe I shouldn't. I I kind of wish mo more and more of you know like American companies operated this way. But it's just like you know Ron Johnson tried to you know I think they someone even talked about this. Yeah, the J.C. Penney failed strategic experiment that Greg Lelouch mentioned. You know when Ron Johnson was hired, uh, who was previously the senior vice president of retail at Apple, he was known for creating the whole Apple Store aesthetic. When he was brought over to shift how JCPenney was going to be run, it was just a car accident because so many of JCPenney's shoppers and buyers are used to coupons and deals and mailers and all sorts of things. And a lot of them won't shop unless they know there's a sale. I would say that we've evolved a little bit more like you know our current generation. I don't think we're shopping with coupon codes. Uh, I don't use that stupid browser extension that spoofs your history anyway. Oh yeah, honey. Uh, that like, yeah, the honeypot or whatever it is to like find a coupon code that doesn't exist. Um, I'm more just like, if that's what it costs, that's what it costs. And maybe that makes me stupid, but um, it, it's it's very interesting to see because you look at previous generations, baby boomers, et cetera, you only shop on deals. And it, it's just, you know, when you look at the ripple effect of this, throughout everything it's it's fascinating to see how um you know how it makes brands <laughs> uh seem you know almost unattainable when you look at some of the the japanese stuff are japanese clothing prices higher in other non-us non non-japan you know uh outside of japan and the u.s like are japanese clothing prices higher and comparable to u.s prices in germany for example Is it i know in the uk they're higher price? I know in the UK they're higher than what they are in the US, but um, I don't, I, I'm not sure about uh, other areas of Western Europe. When I heard some of these stories from retailers, it seemed to me that Japan was the outlier and that everyone else was 
just operating on a normal kind of, you know, a more relatable kind of business model. And that it was just amazing that Japanese stores could um, sustain themselves on such low margins. Well, um, and I don't know what, what capital costs. I've heard that certain brands, certain Japanese brands, um, their exporters are trying to position them much more upmarket than they are in Japan, you know, just as a business decision. Um, so some of those, um, some of those prices are intentional. But it seems like, you know, for many Japanese brands, yeah, I mean, it, it's cheaper in Japan because my understanding is that they just mark things up lower. Well, some of this stuff gets into, um, so a, a lot of Japanese department stores, and this is from, I remember speaking with a tailor where he would go and he would do these trunk shows in Tokyo and he would go to, you know, a couple different stores and they were all more or less competitors. And he would price his, you know, bespoke product at one store. And then he would go to the other store and he knew that they were going to, they were never going to try to undercut each other. So um, mm. if you zoom way out, I mean, this could be looked at as like basically a cartel. And a lot of these retail stores will work together and be like, oh, we're not going to try to undercut this store because, you know, and where if you think of an American store, right, they're just they're going to be like, well, what is that? What is that store's charging? All right, let's 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 go on sale before them. Let's do this before. Like, it's very aggressive. And there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of honor in how you run your business in Japan. And that's something that just is not the case here. Uh, and so, I mean, it's amazing that you could have a, you know, Italian bespoke maker go over to one store he could also go and do his trunk show at another store. Both of those stores don't mind and they both honor his price and they don't try to poach customers like that. That's, that's just unheard of in your standard capitalist, uh, you know, Western retail store. It's, it's bizarre. Didn't mean to go down such a crazy rabbit hole, but this stuff is probably, you know, the most fascinating to me because still to this day, it feels like all of the, you know, most exciting menswear and just clothing in general is just always out of Japan, whether it's a better understanding of vintage, whether it's what sort of trends they're looking at. I mean, I have no idea where we'd be if it wasn't for, you know, Japanese retail. How, how was the, the Amatora talk? The book club thing? Yeah, the book club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, thank you. Um, so one of the, my favorite things about the Slack is we actually run a, a book club. So that's kind of Josh's brainchild. Um, so we, it's a small group of us that gets together maybe every month to just talk through a book that's usually related to, you know, fashion or the world of style. Um, so we chose Amatora, which is W. David Marx's great um, kind of history of how Japan kind of transformed, like imported Ivy and then exported it out um, to the rest of the world, as well as Ivy style. Yeah, Ivy style. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, as well as denim. Um and I happened to kind of know somebody who knew David. So we invited him to, to give a little talk. So he gave a little presentation and then answered a bunch of our questions. So it was really amazing. Um, and, and yeah, how, you know, I mean, it was good. I mean, how, how was all that stuff going? Because he, he, I remember he spoke, uh, I think he did a thing with 
at the armory at one point. I mean, because his book's amazing. I mean, I've, I've read the book a couple of times, actually. It's really well done. Yeah, and he's writing a new one. Um, but that was interesting because now that you mentioned it, one of the questions we asked um, him was kind of, are there any brands in Japan that, you know, we think the world's going to be hearing about, like kind of the next big thing? Um, and he said his eyes were really on mainland China, that there was a lot of energy out there, but it wasn't something that had been really made available to the a global audience yet. So he, he thought that was going to be kind of the next thing to look out for. So you mean in terms of like mm. brands making stuff or in terms of consumers? Yeah, no brands. Apparently there's a really? lot going on. Yeah. I've noticed some really interesting clothing companies coming out of um, China. I, you know, you've had George, George Wang of Brio. Uh, mm-hmm. On, on the pod, but you know, like motive and, um, some, I think there's, um, there's some workwear company that starts with a B that's kind of interesting, Yeah, but yeah, they, it's, it seems to be an upcoming thing, whether, whether or not consumers will catch on, I, I don't know, but they do seem to be doing interesting work. Right. I mean, it kind of reminds me like how hard it was to buy Like, I don't know if you guys remember, like just it's almost impossible to buy anything from Japan, like 20 years ago, because it was kind of pre PayPal. So you had to use these, like, go to yeah. the post office and get an international money order. Yeah. Um, and that's if you could actually find, like, something to buy. And uh, it was just crazy. I remember I was buying a lot of records back then. Um, and it was, it oh, was yeah. a journey. Yeah, back in the day, you would, a lot of bands would have some sort of Japan-only single. You know, I mean, this is probably up, up to the early aughts where they were still doing it. Oh, yeah. You know, like the, yeah. yeah, the, the Japanese press only like bonus track on a CD, which, yes. which I actually go back to the pricing. It's, it was there because otherwise like to import a CD, like cost like less than to buy like the Japanese press apparently. So they had to give yeah. an incentive to, to you, buy local. Jeez. Do you still buy records from Japan? Um, I don't actually, mostly cause my plug, I kind of led like lost touch with my plug. Like she was the Uh-oh. she was the one that was like hitting all the record shops. It was like cr- a crazy time. Also, I think a lot more of uh, that stuff is being sold, um, you know, through PayPal or sorry, not PayPal through like eBay or or whatever. Um, why do you, uh, do you still do you still buy stuff directly from? Um, I mean, you know, I, having grown up in the same period, I mean, yeah, I, I collected records and. And you know, uh, follow up on music like everyone else. But I, I sort of feel that so much of that stuff is online now mm. that it makes, um, it makes it so much easier to one discover music, and two, like the cultural capital of things have totally changed. Like back then, it was like a big deal if you got a record from Japan or you mm. knew about a B side or something. Whereas um, maybe I've just gotten older and I've fallen out of the scene. Um, but I feel like. I hear more discussions about like pop music now than I do of like underground records, uh, but may just be an effect of my age. This does make me wonder what is the Derek guy record collection look like? I mean, do you, do you got wax? No. Do you have a turntable? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like, you know, many people on, on the Slack. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I used to listen to a lot of um, blues and jazz and stuff like that, but nothing too obscure at this point. I mean, it's been, decades since I've really followed, followed up with music. Now my listening habits are extremely boring and mainstream. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is not an ad, but I basically just use a Sonos for everything. And I feel less cool because 
as so we've had uh, my basement getting fixed from a leak and stuff. And so I had moved all these things out. And one of the things I had found is some old records. And I was like, oh, man, it'd be great to, to listen to this. And then I looked over and my turntable was in the corner. And then I didn't know where my amp was. And then I know where the chords were. And then I couldn't find the needle. And I was just like, this is such a hassle. <laughs> I, you know I, it but used to like, be such a thing yeah it used to exactly be such like uh, like the the whole the hassle was what made it enjoyable which is relates to our discussion of proxying clothes from japan like the process made it enjoyable and then there was a community around it i mean i remember want to hear the rest join us over on patreon you'll hear this episode in tons more exclusive pods from the return of Sid Mashburn, Michael Hill of Drakes, Chris Gibbs of Union, Alaria Urbanati, we got it all. You also get access to our private members-only Slack group where we chat about menswear and a bit of everything. So visit patreon.com forward slash blamo and we'll see you there.